welcome to another episode of Across the Cemetery. This week, I know it's a big shock, but Emma's going to be recording this episode. She's leading us. So what is the topic we're speaking about today? So it's Paranormal Investigations number two, because um, we didn't finish it last time. So how's your week been this week, Josh? Um, really long and stressful because we're going away next week, so it's been awful. The week I dragged you. But, you know, at the beginning of the week... Guess what happened? I have no idea. Emma from Real Life Ghost Stories played our promo. I did know about that actually. <laughs> and also, I passed my theory test. Woo! <laughs> which one's better? So we leave it to you to decide. I know which one I think. Get in the promo. Yeah. <laughs> so, I'll just get straight into it then. Did you enjoy last week's episode? Although it wasn't last week because we released another episode. Before we were meant to. I read last week's episode. Yeah. I, I recorded last week's episode. So yes, I, re- I enjoyed it. Well, did you enjoy Man of all Paranormal Investigations and Ed and Lon? Lon? Ed and... Lorraine. What, what did... Um, was it? Yeah, Dan. What <laughs> was it? <laughs> yeah, we, we had even gone back through like the Patreon episodes of um, Real Life Ghost Stories and that came up on one of the episodes yeah. we listened to just after we'd spoken about it. Yeah. Well. But yeah, anyway, on the promo, Emma said that um, we're basically the same person and it made me have a little tear and Josh wanted to get over it but I was very enjoyed no I enjoyed that one. I was <laughs> very <laughs> I was very enjoyed so last week well the last paranormal episode we mentioned the technology used but didn't dive in, dive straight into it and I know that you wanted to discuss it so this week before I move on to a case that a lot of people are familiar with, and Ed and Lorraine were on it. Yes. Um, I'm going to discuss the technology. Okay. Only a little bit, though, because it probably would take forever. Cause yeah, a I, lot. <laughs> I don't need to know like, the in-depth specs, so just, just, just give you enlighten a, me. Just give me a little history. So... So, Ghost Hunting was around before things such as The Conjuring films, which... We're going to be talking about again. The Conjuring films are like fucking. Oh, what do you call it? Like the dairy milk of the chocolate world. What do you mean? There's just like. Like Coke. So you get a Coke. Oh, you also get Coke Zero. You also get Coke Cherry. <laughs> you also get Coke Vanilla. They just they, they cover absolutely everything. Most of the paranormal tools that are used today are adaptations of early ghost hunting equipment. Pitchforks. No, pitchforks is against the ghost, isn't it? You get the. And catch a ghost. I think I'd be burnt at the stake if I if I was alive in the olden days. And you'd be the one set me ablaze. <laughs> the you just give me. I just think yeah, I do. I'd agree with you to be honest with you. Some of the stupid shit you come out with. It's not stupid. Why is it stupid? It's not stupid. It's just the way you project your thoughts into the world is not the way you think them in your head. I'm just like a little... You're very ditzy. I'm very ditzy, but I'm book smart. <laughs> okay. <laughs> if you say so. Um. So, not long before his death, the famous scientist Thomas Edison was joined by other scientists in secret to attempt to record voices and confirm presence of the dead. Oh, that's cool. I didn't know that. Edison believed that the technology such as radio and electricity could help communicate with spirits. Edison also developed plans for a ghost machine, but he never actually carried out the plan. 
So right. he passed away, I think, before he could do it. Was there any like, records of it? What it was going to do? Yeah, so... Well, I actually haven't wrote this down, so good point. Fifi? Oh, Fifi's joining us. Hey! <laughs> this is a glimpse into our day-to-day life. <laughs> Loki's sat about five foot away from her, so she's growling and hissing at him. So, yeah, he did... He made plans for spirit boxes, but a lot of people, um... Fifish. A lot of people, like, copied them in a way and didn't make them as good. But, similar to Edison, spirit boxes were made in 2002. Um, Frank Assumption developed a special radio that he called Frank's Box. <laughs> How did he think of that one? Original, isn't it? <laughs> he created 180 spirit boxes that skip rapidly between radio channels and the apparent noises you hear, such as buzzing and radio static, can be translated into world, uh, words from otherworldly creatures. Mm. So, other than the likes of your EMF re- meters and EVP recorders, to name a few, ghost hunting techniques have not changed much, and many ghost hunters have simply adapted or revised existing tools. This includes techniques such as raps and bells. This is where paranormal investigators urge the spirits to make their presence known, such as rapping, like knocking on a nearby table. Mm. Or, you know, like, you know, the finger tapping. No. Like, if you tap once, if you... Oh, okay. Um, or ringing bells. Or, like, I think you can do it, like, you know, if you, like, knock once for yes, knock once for... Mm. That's, like, the tap of the raps and bells. The, the last technology I'm going to talk about before moving on to my story is dowsing rods. So dowsing rods have been used for countless years to find items such as gemstones or water. They are now used by paranormal investigators to reveal the existence of ghosts and other paranormal beings. So dowsing rods, rods are usually two shaped rods that you hold in front of you and then you let yourself be guarded by unseen items. So subtle movements apparently show the presence of ghosts. And like the rapping I mentioned earlier, um, the ghost hunters usually attempt to get nearby spirits to make themselves known or even answer certain questions. So they'll say, um, is, can you point me in this direction? Mm. Yeah, they've been used for years for water, but people have started using them for ghost hunting. Yeah, haven't they got some relations to way lines or something like yeah, that? Yeah, yeah. I'm sure that was on Ghost Adventures. Well, I imagine they've got somewhere, yeah. Let's get on to my story then. Okay. They, I don't think they use Dalton Rods, but I know they use rapid raps. Like tapping. If you can hear any random taps in the background, I think next door, hammering into their walls at, what is it, 7 o'clock, 8 o'clock, when it's Saturday night. There's just Fifi, and Fifi's growling. Okay. So, it's August 1977. The Hodgson's family are your average family. They live in your average semi-detached council house in North, L- North London, Enfield to be exact. Do you know what I'm talking about? Well, I have no idea. <laughs> Please carry on. Yeah, I'm talking about the Enfield Poltergeist. So we watched the programme on it and I think, ev- oh, I just doesn't remember, and I think every ghost podcast has talked about this in one way or another. Um, so I was talk- I'm going to talk about it because Ed and Lorraine allegedly went there. And I like the case, so and it's England. When you say I like to, did you go there? We well, just have to wait and see. Okay. 
So the Enfield poltergeist is one of the most famous cases and it was the main storyline for The Conjuring 2, which is about no other than R. Ed and Lorraine. Me fave. Your fave. So the Enfield poltergeist has caused various discussions throughout the paranormal community. Whilst some believe the Hodgson account is completely true, others are very sceptical. We will never know the full truth of exactly what happened during the summer of 1977 in that Enfield home, but the stories or alleged truths that we do know do make a very interesting story. You got anything to say about Enfield? Have you have you read about it or you um, know the story? Yeah, but there seems to be variations depending on who who you listen to, who you who relays it back to. I've never read up on it, but I've heard many accounts through through different podcasts. Obviously, it's quite a, a famous topic. Yeah, so a lot of the um, events are disputed. Like some of them, we don't know the exact point because it changes depending mm-hmm. on who you ask. Yeah. The, the event occurred in August 1977 at 2A4 Green Street, Enfield, London. The Hodgson's home was a semi-detached house built in the 1920s by the council. The house had three bedrooms upstairs and a kitchen and a living room and a bathroom on the ground floor. So that might give you a little... Yeah, puts me in. I'm glad you've got a bathroom, yeah? It's downstairs. It's <laughs> downstairs, yeah. Okay, so Janet was 11 at the time, and it was believed that she was the centrepiece of the paranormal occurrences. Her sister, who was 13 at the time, also witnessed a lot of the incidents. The sisters also had two younger brothers, Billy, who was 7, and Johnny, who was 10. Johnny was away at a special boarding school at the time, so he was not present for a lot of the haunting. The first event occurred on the 30th of August. Their mother Peggy had just retired the children to bed, and when Janet later complained that her brother Billy's bed was trotting up and down and going all funny. Peggy brushed this off thinking that her children were playing tricks, anything in order to stay up a little bit longer. But the next night at 9.30, Janet and Billy called their mother to their room due to complaints of something making a shuffling noise. Janet said it sounded like one of the chairs moving. Peggy removed the chair from the bedroom to put the children at ease. She then turned off the light and said goodnight to her children. But then she also heard the shuffling noise. She said that it was as if somebody was shuffling across the floor in their slippers. She turned the light on to see that everything was in order and the children were tucked up in bed. So she turned the lights off and proceeded to leave the room, but she heard the noise again. Then there were four loud knocks on the dividing wall of the house and Peggy witnessed with her own eyes a very heavy chest of drawers moving roughly 18 inches across the floor. Peggy pushed it against the wall several times, but it kept moving. The last time she tried to push it back, she said it felt as if an invisible force was stopping her from doing so. This was too much for the family, and they all ran out the house and sought shelter in their next-door neighbour's home. Then, aided by the neighbours, they went back into the house, and the neighbours too witnessed knocks and banging from various places throughout the house, but they could not find the source. Later that same night, police were called around 1am. They came to check the house, but they ascertained that they could not be of assistance due to the fact that no crime had been committed. Although one of the constables did admit to seeing a kitchen chair near the couch in the living room wobble and then move a metre across the floor, she said it was like being pulled by something or someone. 
The following day, objects such as Lego and marbles were launched across the house. When the objects were picked up, they were allegedly hot to touch. The throwing event occurred for three days. The family searched for help again from a local vicar and a local medium, but nobody could put an end to the event. The Hodgins sought the help of the English newspaper, the Daily Mail. Journalist Douglas Bentz and photographer Graham Morris visited the family's home and stayed several hours while the family took refuge in the next-door neighbour's home again. They did not witness anything, so they went to leave at about 2.30am and they went to alert the Hodgins that they were safe to enter their home again. So as the family came home, they were accompanied by Douglas and Graham. As they stepped through the door, the objects resumed flying around the room. Both men witnessed the flying objects and Graham was even struck in the head by a Lego brick. <laughs> yeah, so he was he was trying to take a photograph of the scene and the brick hit him in the head, apparently. He alleges that when he lo- was looking at the negative of the photo, there was a large hole burnt into it and the flying brick could not be seen in the photograph. The senior reporter of the Daily Mail was fascinated by this story and told the Hodgins to contact the Society for, Sy- for Physical Research, the SPR, who then contacted Maurice Grouse, who was new to paranormal investigations at the time. So what I read, he was a sceptic, but his daughter had recently passed away in like a car accident or something. Mm. And so he wanted to like, get to know ghosts because he wanted to speak to his daughter. Uh, that's, that's one of them situations of desperacy. You look for something, yeah. you gotta find it. And it also, his daughter was called Johnny. <laughs> and also, why was the first person he called for help the Daily Mail? No, they called the vicar and the pre- they called the police and they called the vicar and then they said they couldn't do anything. So they went to the Daily Mail to apparently make it more known so they could get more help. I feel like they had other options before the, the, the Daily Mail. They probably did. <laughs> Definitely did. Everyone has enough options before they get the Daily Mail involved. Very true. <laughs> um, so, Gross arrived at the house on the 5th of September 1977, but it wasn't until the 8th of September that he began to play witness to the supernatural events. He was accompanied by the reporters from the Daily Mail, and they all heard a large crash in Janet's bedroom. They then found the chair in the bedroom had been thrown four feet across the room and was lying on its side. The children in the room were asleep, undisturbed by this. It occurred again an hour later and Graham, the photographer, caught this on camera. The Enfield case was front page news and as a result this case became a worldwide sensation. This was one of the first paranormal events to be captured on camera. The occurrences continued and the electrical systems within the house appeared to be suffering from interference. This also included the reporter's equipment. As soon as cameras and video recorders were charged, they would like leave them in the room to try and Imagine catch. in the 70s, do a battery powered. Yeah. Yeah, so maybe they were just inserted again. It just said yeah. recharge. But maybe you can get rechargeable batteries still then. I mean, this is quite a tangent. We don't really yeah. need to go down this route. Either yeah. way, they put electricity into it and the electricity went. Yeah, so when they charged the battery, the battery drained straight away. Yeah, okay. And then an infrared sensitive television camera was also brought in to do some remote mon- monitoring of the bedroom. But as soon as it began filming, the tape would jam. Oh. The same thing was happening to the BBC radio reporters' tapes. The tape cassettes were found to be damaged 
and often the recordings were erased and the metal inside some of the machines would be found bent and even some of the tape desks would disappear but then reappear several hours later. And was this what did they do this in an empty house or was this on different occasions? This was on different occasions so sometimes the children were present. Okay. Maurice Gross and Guy Playfair, two of the investigators in the Society of Physical Research case, maintained that they believed that the haunting was genuine and they've caught many of the now caught many of the now infamous occurrences on film. Much of the equipment used in the investigation was often found to be malfunctioning upon entering the household. So, despite it working perfectly before, so they'd check it when it was outside and then as soon as it went in the house. Well, I imagine someone like the Institute of Physical Research would get quite thorough in that. Yeah. Knowing what they're trying to research, they would make sure the equipment was working before they took it there. Yeah, you would, wouldn't you? Yeah, it should do. However, Janet was found to have hidden a tape recorder and was videotaped bending spoons on another occasion. It's quiet day. Nothing to do. <laughs> they believed that much of the activity surrounding the Enfield poltergeist was genuine. However, it, apparently the girls did admit to forging some of it to get the people to believe them. So they'd stay. Okay. So they have admitted... Why did they want them to stay? To get help, apparently. Help? Monetary help? Mm, apparently not, but they were like they weren't poor, poor, but they were. They lived in a council house, and she was a single mother. Okay. But yeah, apparently they wanted help to get rid of this poltergeist. So they maintained that there was a haunting. Yeah. They just made it seem worse than it was in order to. Yeah. For somebody to help get rid of it. Yeah. Okay. And they still maintain that now. I think Janet is the only one who's alive now, but she still. Says, and she was one of the children. Yeah, she's the main one. Oh, okay. Like she's the one who most of it happened to. Mm. She was 11 at the time, so that's kind of... I don't want to say ripe, that sounds disgusting, but you know what I mean? Like, you, you're changing, and apparently young girls are subs- like more... Susceptible. Yeah, that was the word I couldn't say, because I've got a lisp. <laughs> you say susceptible? Susceptible. You just said it. So I've skipped, not loads of events, but I've skipped a few, because it, it, I had the timeline. And I can put, I can send this to someone if they want. It literally shows like the whole day, like I mean, every day nearly from the whole year. Yeah. And I thought this I couldn't really say this. Yeah, I, I, many people are familiar with the case. Yeah. Anyway. So anyway, on um, on December tenth, nineteen seventy seven, two me- two members of the so- Society of Physical Research came to witness it, as well as Maurice and Guy. So. Maurice challenged the poltergeist to speak, and at first the, wit- the older researchers witnessed a series of whistles and dog-like barks. But before long, a male, gruff voice started to come from Janet. The voice sounded like that of an elderly man, and the researchers were convinced that it was not the voice of a 12-year-old girl. The voice identified itself as Joe Watson, Then the whole conversation was caught on tape by Maurice. But the next evening, another voice of a spirit replaced Joe. So Janet claimed to have no control over the voice and she would even appear in a trance-like state when the voice occurred. The voice claimed to be several different identities and it often spoke in obscene language. So it it swore quite a lot and said stuff that Janet probably wouldn't know. Okay. But 
one character that did keep reappearing was Bill. He was claimed to have died in the house out of all the voices that Janet spoke. This was the only one that could be verified. So Bill was a man who allegedly died in the house and this was an event that none of them knew about until after the event. Mm. So after making contact with the spirit of William Bill, well, for the first time the previous night, Maurice brought his son, Richard, Maurice's son, not Bill's son, okay. um, to the home. And Richard, Maurice's son, was a newly qualified solicitor. So this was the first time that a poltergeist had ever been cross-examined by a solicitor. I he definitely only did that because it was his dad's case. Yeah. There's no way you walk into a solicitor's office and go, right, just hear me out on this one. Could you come to a home that is allegedly haunted and cross-examine a ghost for me? I know. I just, I like law, so I had to include that bit. <laughs> and is it that, to be honest, that's, I had not heard that one before. It was found that the man fell, because it mostly happened when Janet was sat in the chair in the living room. Okay. And it was found that Bill had, like, an aneurysm or a hemorrhage and died in that chair. His son, not, not Maurice's one. But Bill's actual son came forward after it and said, that is what happened. Oh. So, there's a bit of proof. And apparently Janet didn't know about that. So actually, why would well, she well, know about Yeah, that? why would she? Because you, when, when you go and view a house, I know there's like a thing in some parts of America where they've got to disclose if somebody died in the house. I, I, it's only if they ask though, isn't it? I don't know. I don't know how true it is. But I know it's it. there's a bit of a culture about mm-hmm. it. Over here in, in the UK, it's generally not known, even if you were viewing with an estate agent, they wouldn't really know, I don't imagine. No, no one would really know, unless you got like back to like the archives and stuff, really, would you? No, not... No, you'd have to assume, look at police records and stuff like that, I guess. Yeah, because you don't really know who lives in the house before you, here. Like you... No, unless you go and view it and they're... And they're there, yeah. Yeah, sometimes the owners, the current owners, let you view it, or, or will take you around. Yeah. So, yeah, it, it, that's quite plausible. She may not have known. Yeah, especially an 11-year-old girl. How would she know stuff like about him? Yeah, well, she's quite susceptible to her spirits, apparently. Yeah, true. <laughs> so, psychiatrists and local doctors were brought in to see whether this was indeed Janet being mischievous or if a second personality was developing or perhaps there was indeed actual paranormal activity. Maurice spoke to speech therapists who suspected that the voice was not coming from Janet's usual vocal cords, but by a second set of vocal cords that all people have. Actors can be trained to speak using these false cords to produce a deep voice. However, it can be a painful process. So to keep this voice up for hours on end would naturally have had consequences on Janet's normal voice. But when she wasn't in the trance-like state, her voice was fine. All right. And also, there's a bit, it's a bit in the, the film as well, but it did happen. Um, they get they tape Janet's mouth, they give her a glass of water, and then they tape her mouth, and then they get to speak to Bill, and he speaks, oh, and right. he, the water doesn't move. Oh. Yeah, and they've had they had ventriloquist dummies try and practice this the same on this case, and they spat the water out. So the. Society of Physical Research really took this very seriously. They took this very seriously. That isn't ripped that 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 wasn't ripped on. I just I like this case a lot. <laughs> Nerd. I know. 
So obviously this is a very long case and I found a website which shows the exact timeline of all the events. I can put that on the, the Yeah, we'll leave that in the description. Yeah, I've already just said that, but so now you're wondering where did Ed and Lorraine come into this? Because it's a paranormal case, it had a bit of traction in the media and nobody in the whole entire world gets Just to make money off paranormal <laughs> without paying tax to the godmother and godfather of ripping people off. Well, there's that thing you tweeted, and it was about him, Zach Bagans, but it was like, um, the devil works hard, but Zach Bagans <laughs> works harder. Because he, he was fuming because it was New Year's Day and the bank was shut. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, apparently, Ed and Lorraine work harder than Zach Bagans. No, I won't have it. <laughs> so, Maurice Gross and Guy Lyon Playfair were the lead investigators on this case. Mm. So why does the Conjuring portray the Warrens as being the ones who are heavily involved in it? I think it's because... Oh, you're going to tell me? I think you're asking my opinion. No, I, I am. I'm asking but you I don't want to say it and I might get it right. And then you Go for it, no, if you get it right, it's fine. Just stop <laughs> looking at me now. Absolutely. Um, <laughs> is it because the Conjuring... Universe has a deal with the Warren family. It is. And I'm, I'm going to go on it in a sec. But actually, it turns out the Warrens don't actually own their cases. Okay, well, who, whoever no, has rights to the estate. No, but no one, like someone, I think it's New Line Cinema or something, they own, they've signed a contract so the Warrens can't really sit in cases they're not allowed to talk, to, talk about. So that's why they. They went through an archive and picked out little, like, scraped the barrel, really, of cases that they touched. Oh. But Guy Playfair said that the film greatly exaggerated the Warren's role in the investigation. He stated in 2016 that they turned up once and Ed told Playfair that the Warrens could make a lot of money out of this case. He corroborated that the, the claim that the Warrens were not invited to the Enfield house and nobody in the family had ever heard of them. Until Ed Warren, Ed Warren turned up suddenly. That doesn't sound like Ed. No. He also alleges that the couple manufactured their own paranormal evidence to sim- to simply make money out of it. I won't have it. <laughs> I won't stand for this blasphemy. And there's also no real record of Ed and Lorraine. There's no real record. Why did you sound like you're from Alabama or something then? Maybe it's Ed coming out for me. I don't know where he's from. But you should do. You spoke about it in your last episode. I didn't say where they were from, actually. You should have done, because you told me he had a bloody 15-year-old in his attic or something. Ed's a month. <laughs> um, cease and desist. That was right. <laughs> from Ed. I think, I think you still said it wrong, but yeah, I get what you mean. There's no real record of Ed and Lorraine's involvement other than them writing about it. The couple only visited the house twice, possibly three times, although that guy guy said it, it was once. Ed and Lorraine have said they visited it three times. So we don't really know. Yeah, but... Uh, <laughs> yeah, but they're going to sort of try and exaggerate what they can to a, a reasonable extent to make it believable, Yeah, I'd say. But all their visits were also towards the end of the case when the paranormal activity appeared to be... A, Concluding, so there was nothing there. When all the evidence had been captured. Yeah. <laughs> so Lorraine first made contact with Maurice in May 1978 and they visited the following month. 
The Warrens allegedly spent the day, this is according to Guy, the Warrens allegedly spent the day at the Enfield home and interviewed the family. But funnily enough, the family do not recall ever being interviewed by the Warrens. It must have been such a magical experience for them that it's just <laughs> wiped out from their memory, yeah. So apparently, the Warrens returned again on August the 6th, 1979, and allegedly recorded over 13 hours of audio and captured items such as the levitation of objects on film. They also saw rocks appearing from nowhere an apparent spontaneous removal of wallpaper in the kitchen. But, there's no proof of that. Oh, it's just like when he went to that... That dude, white that, lady. That damn cemetery. <laughs> and that... that See, you do remember? Uh, well, yeah, I'm listening. You love Ed and Lorraine, really. You know all about them. Yeah, because you've told me all about them for you, two weeks. You've got a t-shirt under your top with <laughs> Ed and Lorraine on. <laughs> you know, like that team Edward, team... Team Jacob, your team Edward. You know, you know they're like 80s t shirts that have just got like wolves and stuff on them with like the moon in the background. <laughs> yeah. like, there's two heads facing the other way. One's like, Ed's like in the background contemplating life, and Lorraine's like, oh, close to me. It's hard and random. And Ed's got like a crucifix. Rest in peace, guys. <laughs> Don't haunt us. <laughs> Oh, actually, quick <laughs> side note: we were watching telly yesterday, television. Oh God, yeah. Um, we were watching it. Were we were watching Mo. Yeah, we were actually watching a comedy. Yeah. Not so a it was like a, a comedy thing on Netflix called Mo, um, which is quite funny if you haven't watched it. It's quite easy to watch as well. Very short episodes, but RTV is like, I'd say twenty feet mm-hmm. from where it, our Google Home is. And it just went off randomly as we were watching TV, and it it was talking about the Amazon rainforest and how there's no bridges over there. Yeah. But there was nothing that mentioned Amazon or rivers or bridges in and, the show. And she said, like, okay, sure. So, like, someone yeah, had asked like her. Like, someone had purposely asked and about she, she bridges. Nev- she never picks up my voice. I always say to her, like, okay, Google, play the next song. She's not even picking it up yeah, now. She was sitting in the dining room now, right next to where it is, and it didn't pick up. What? Right oh, she there she is. <laughs> Thank you, Google. I don't know if you heard that. Um, so, moving on. What exactly did happen in the Enfield home and when did it stop? The activity took place for about two years and then abruptly ended after a priest came to bless the house in October 1979. Janet said that the blessing did quiet the ghost farm, but they did not completely stop while they lived there. Okay. So, years after the haunting ended, the family moved from the home in Enfield. And then the sisters also confessed to having played with a Ouija board Dickhead mate. in their friend's shed four years before the incident began. They said that after they saw after they played the Ouija board, they saw the face of a demon appear in the shed's window and they said <laughs> It was fucking head just being a story. <laughs> Sorry. So the demon appeared in the shed window. It wasn't everyone. <laughs> and this is where the paranormal activity allegedly began. So uh, just a, a stemming question from this. Why did they let it go on for two years before they decided to get that house blessed? They tried to get blessed and it wouldn't go. They had a vicar. They had 
Oh, they are the Arsenal. Oh, they need to the damn priest. Well, Edward, 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 because it's only he's, he's like I said in the last episode, he's not his his woman that he haunted haunted when he was little. Said you're not going to be a priest, but you're going to work closely with them. No. So we couldn't have done it then, could he? No. What did she say? I can't remember. Yeah, it's like that. It was that, wasn't it? Yeah. But he started doing his own things, like exorcisms and that. Business dried up in there. Yeah. Right. Do, you, do you know what they would do now if they could? Like if they were alive, they would sell Ed and Lorraine's holy wars. <laughs> I just imagine them doing them Facebook lives where they, just, they do medium readings for you. Just, <laughs> do you know and then someone joins the live and like shout out to Katie, Katie Louise or something. <laughs> Don't, don't please sue us, Katie Louise, please, thank you. It's <laughs> the so first name that popped into my head. But yeah, that's all I've got to say about the Enfield Horn. Um, what did you think about it? I mean, I could go on more, but... Yeah. <laughs> I see, well, the point was you weren't telling me about the Enfield Horn, you were telling me about the investigation. Yeah, the exactly, yeah. So I think we could... It ties in quite nicely into last week's episode, doesn't it? Because well, like I tried. <laughs> well... Um, do you mean your episode? My episode. I thought that it like they like they were kind of like they were kind of like conjoined, like not we didn't mean it. Yeah, I didn't know you'd done that. But yeah, so it it was a possession case. Yeah. Um, I, I it does tie in very nicely because it, it the case itself links to a young girl. Yeah. So susceptible to paranormal activity or possession. Yeah. Um, speaking in. Voices that aren't their own, especially the the point where they filled them off with water, taped her mouth shut, yeah. and then she still was able to speak in a, a voice that she couldn't, couldn't speak do. in, yeah. saying things that she shouldn't have known. Yeah, you know, it. I think there was to an extent, and I think she's right in her confession, where she said it was real, but we tried yeah. to exaggerate it. Essentially, well, she doesn't have to confess, does she? She could have just kept saying no, I never. That's fake. Yeah. There's also um, someone called Fred. This wasn't like a ghost of Fred ripped up loads of electric electrical tape, like you know the black electrical tape. Yeah. And he wrote on the door like Fred was here, or Fred lives here, or something like that. But it happened in like thirty seconds, apparently when All right. Janet and Margaret weren't in the room. So. Maurice was saying like they couldn't have done that because they were with us and it wasn't there and then all of a sudden it was mm. and it was like tiny little pieces like each word each letter was like tiny individual little pieces put together yeah well, so if someone to do that it would still five ten minutes yeah. wouldn't it to, to rip apart and then write onto they put it into an arrangement of letters yeah so they apparently they couldn't have done that there's also I don't know this exactly but apparently there was like on the walls and stuff as well. You dirty bitch, Janet. <laughs> no need in that. Some Janet, she just bent spoons. <laughs> <laughs> so the case itself, yeah, I, I think we could go over this again, and I think this is something you'd like to research into and give us a full breakdown of the case. Yeah. But from the paranormal investigation point of view, forgetting. Ed and Lorraine for a second, moving back to Maurice Gross. Mm-hmm. Quite a tragic story as to why he's getting into it. Yeah. But 
also I think he isn't probably the best person to be investigating at that time just because of the situation yeah. because he's going to be looking for things that aren't there he he wants to he, he, he is desperate to prove that there is a way to speak to those who've passed on yeah. so he's going to look for things that potentially aren't there yeah. even though we picked a great case because there are I'd say my personal opinion is real and they are there um, I like this case but I think it's like 50-50 <laughs> yeah I, I mean I when Ed and Lorraine are involved <laughs> Wait, is it not even Ned and Lorraine mostly? Because from the start, the family are trying to gain from it as well. I think I think the case is real, got, yeah. but I think the Trump, the family are trying to profit from it. Essentially, they got the papers into. Yeah, I think if it, they went through all the possible avenues of trying to rid it privately, yeah, or, or sort out the situation privately, even if it was investigated quietly. Yeah, but then, again, they didn't really know about the Society of Physical Research until the Daily Mirror, or Mail, put it in and pointed them in the right direction. And there was True. the internet and everything then. True. But would the vicar have not the first best they could, would he not have been a bit more help? He said he couldn't get visit them, apparently. But? He probably could have pointed them in the right in direction. In the right direction, yeah. or got them in touch with somebody else. Yeah. See, in other cases, one... Was it one I spoke about or one you spoke about? Yeah, the one I spoke about, about the um, yeah, the exorcist, the story behind the exorcist. Oh, yeah. Was it Williams or Ronald? Uh, Ronald Doe. Oh, yeah. That was the, the yeah, pseudonym, the yeah. The first guy they came across, who couldn't help, who, who tried to help, couldn't help. Yeah. He points them in the right direction. Yeah. Even the second people, the second lot of people in, in St. Louis that they got to, they couldn't help themselves personally, but they had like lots of help from other people. Yeah. So it's. Yeah. So um, I think the techniques were good. I think like the fact that they checked her vocal cords and that they proved that they had ventriloquist dummies. Yeah. People to do it as I'd, well. I'd agree because I think if they got anybody else other than that society mm-hmm. to come in. I don't think they would have done such a thorough job. No. And it was very... It, I, I like the way they... Obviously, I, I, you didn't say, but I hope they would have went back and tested their equipment to make sure that worked. Yeah. Well, Janet also went into... Um, she was in the hospital for a bit, in like a psychiatric, to see if there was something wrong with her. Okay. But they, they couldn't really find anything. They treated her from, like they treated her with medication and everything. They checked her vocal cords. She, mm. she was fine. Yeah, so it's really, really thorough, especially, like, you see, with the actors' vocal cords, obviously the ventriloquists, uh, and even though they disproved some of the evidence as well, didn't they? Yeah, I think it's, it's something about the court of cat doing the experience. Yeah, the court are doing things, and... They found Janet with a tape recorder hidden as well. Ah, yeah. So she could have recorded the voices, maybe. Yeah. But see, it doesn't seem very, um... I don't know the way it is. Convenient. The hair tape recorder tapes didn't yeah, malfunction. Yeah, but, but everyone else the radios, the the investigators, their systems all seem to malfunction. Yeah, and they were found bent. So I think she used bent the spoons as well. So maybe she was really bent. strong. Little tapes, though. You could just. I'm joking. <laughs> um, yeah, and there's not like they say there's images and that, but there's not that many. There is an image of Janet like in the air. Yeah, but she could have jumped. Yeah, we'll find the image and put it on social media when we when this episode releases. 
the image she's supposedly levitating. Yeah, but over I'm sure bed. she's. Yeah, it's. I could do that. It's questionable. I'm not agile. It jumps really high. It's very impressive, but yeah. it's. It's like Springfield Jack. Springfield. Springfield. <laughs> I always say Springfield. The it's the Simpsons. <laughs> I just love the Simpsons. You know the horror Simpsons. They're so good. The Treehouse of Horror. Yeah, that got that got you into horror, didn't it? Remember we were watching it one Halloween, and then since then it's all downhill. <laughs> Yeah, it's been messed up in the head. I've only got a really small, like, twitch as well now. <laughs> I just hung over here in bed with a knife. <laughs> just watch you sleep. What's news to me? See, I'm doing it really sneaky. I'm like a ninja. <laughs> you you could never be a ninja. That's how I know you're lying, because you could never be a ninja. Okay, so that's where I'm going to end it today. Do you have anything more to say about the end of your Um... Or Ed's on the rain, or ghost hunting techniques. I thought he was interested about Thomas Edison. I thought he just made light and electricity. Yeah, that that was an interesting. I never heard of that one before. No. That, I wonder what the world would have been like if he'd have followed he through. Yeah, and, and yeah, he'd. We might machine. actually have had ghosts, like prove it. And I know we have ghosts, but you know what I mean. Like we might have. Yeah, had I'm all. Or maybe that's why. Maybe that's why it never got made. Yeah. Because we're not meant to. I, I don't think we're meant to because I think a lot of people would like rush to get to the afterlife if they could. Hmm. Do you know what I mean? That's like that, that Pixar film. Oh, um, Coco. Yeah. I love Coco. It's such a good... We'll have to review that one day, you know, because it's quite ghosty. Well, it's definitely ghosty. It's about the afterlife. Yeah, it's about the day of the dead as well, isn't it? Yeah. It's, it's really a really good. good film. We did watch it when we had the flu, so... <laughs> yeah, a lot of emotions flying around the living room that day. Um, so do you think that the Enfield Horton's real? The listeners. Hello. <laughs> Answer us. <laughs> yeah. That's all I've got to say about paranormal investigations, really. I mean, obviously, there's a lot more that could be touched upon. Yeah. Um, it's like a rabbit hole, isn't it? Like, there won't be a podcast if we... Exactly. <laughs> I think it is really I think it's good that it's like getting on from all the technology. I also think it's good that you just use like traditional one, like the knock and like say knock twice. Knock. Yeah, paranormal investigations as a whole. Yeah. Um, There's like a fusion between old ways like seances yeah, and, and Ouija boards. Board. Don't use them. <laughs> Don't use them, guys. Um but then moving through to electronic equipment and, and things like that. Yeah. Like one of the main problems with paranormal activities is that, I think I mentioned it in the last episode, we don't really know what we're looking for. Mm-hmm. So yeah. we're, I think we're just looking for, obviously with the old ways, seances and stuff like that, you're looking for any sort of reaction, a knock, voice, movement, something. With electronics, we're looking for sort of distortions. Yeah. It's like them stick figures that suck us. <laughs> You know, like the, yeah, they apparently pick up energy and yeah. they tell you it's how real or not they are. We don't know because is there a way to prove it? Because it's. I think if there was a way to prove it, we wouldn't be allowed to prove it, to be honest. I know that makes no sense. No. But I don't think the ghosts want to be fully farmed. Yeah. I'm sure, like this, like all-powerful being probably could show itself if it really wanted, like, completely, if it really wanted to. Maybe we just can't fathom it. 
Yeah, like our brains can't. Yeah, we, uh, as human beings, we just cannot get our heads around. We can't understand the concept that a spirit is there. Maybe we're not meant to, though, until we are one. Yeah. Potentially. Like, you know, the way you, like, dog, only dogs can hear a certain sound. Hmm. I know it sounds a bit stupid, but maybe we're only, only certain. That's why you have mediums, because they, they're, like, closer to death. And some people, not death, but they've got like. To the spirit world, yeah, they've got a close connection. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So it's, it's an interesting area because there's lots of different techniques that are used. I think it's interesting when a skeptic starts looking into ghosts, though. Like Maurice, he started because of his daughter. Mm. Um, From a place of desperacy, though. Yeah. So again, I think a lot has to be said about who is doing the investigation. Also, that Joseph Glanville in the first episode that I wrote. Oh, yeah. He was a skeptic as well. And Lorraine Warren apparently was a skeptic before. But she also watched the tree grow in the future, so that's cool. Because yeah. if you plant a tree, you don't know that it's going to be a tree. Is that what happens? Apparently. Wow. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we do like them. Uh, that didn't pick up on the audio, but I gave Emma a funny look. We like the Conjuring films, but yeah. we don't like the stuff that they're based on, really. <laughs> so, yeah, in conclusion, I think paranormal investigations are very, very interesting. It's a, it's a, a subject that, to be honest, I don't think I'd want to be a paranormal investigator, because why is it always at night? I think that I would say, I think I've said this to you before, why is it at night? Do you think to do it just because it's like it's spooky so it would make better content if it was videoed? Yeah, probably. Because during that one you've just mentioned about the Enfield poltergeist. Yeah. They waited in the house for several hours. Yeah, it night. wasn't always in the night. No, it wasn't always in the night. So, there's there's a little question for any paranormal investigators. Why would you do it at night? It's it, scarier. Yeah. Yeah. Stuff in our house doesn't happen at night. Our ghosts. Not always. Well, apparently I was getting attacked by a man that was outside the other day. Where? I said before, I was taking the rubbish out, wasn't I? And it, it was, <laughs> oh, yeah. This was like 8 o'clock in the morning, I thought there was a man standing outside, it wasn't, it was my reflection in the window. Oh, yeah. I remember you said this on here, you know, you said it to your mum and that. I know, I was telling you before, oh, I, yeah. I think, earlier today. Yeah, but they don't know. <laughs> well, now you do. Um, You're welcome. So, yeah, do you think paranormal investigations are real? They're definitely real. They're real. <laughs> well, like, do you reckon they prove anything? I think it's good the way when they back it up with science. Like, about their vocal cords and... Yeah. So, so, so a, a more thorough investigation is a more believable investigation. And I think that is a very... That is a good ...satisfying thing. ending. So, if you've got any thoughts on the matter or if get any more information on anything we spoke about today, you can email us at acrossthecemetery at gmail.com. You can reach us on social media... Twitter is at AX Cemetery, TikTok at AX Cemetery, and Instagram at Across the Cemetery. And I think that's all we've got to say on the matter. And you can also hear our promo on Real Life Ghost Stories' latest episode. No, not latest episode now because she's released some, but it was last Sunday's episode. Which would have been Sunday the. 22nd of January. Sunday the 22nd of January. Thank you very much, Emma. Thanks, Emma. We love you. We're going to be best friends. Emma, Emma. Emma and Emma. Emma squared. Emma.
But uh, Emma really, really, really does love you. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Bye. Bye. Make some pizza now, aren't we? And we're going to try and watch a horror film. We don't know which one yet, but it's mm. Saturday night, so we're going to treat ourselves. Um, yeah, so cool. take it away, Josh. You just started to cut me off when I was speaking earlier. Yeah? About the case? Go for it then. You said. You were working through the case of how they were proving it and disproving it, and then you just sort of went, Yeah, we're finished now. No, I never. I can see you later. <laughs> Come on then. Well, I don't know what I'm saying, though, can I? <laughs>